all the ushers that are taking the offering. You remember a couple weeks ago, I shared some things that you might not know about me, and one of them is that I worry about money. Remember that? So that actually that same day, I was out on my bicycle over here in 741 in Paradise, and I was clipping it. It was really hot, I think 88 degrees. And I saw a spotted lanternfly bug on the road. You all know what that is? Yes? Okay, trying to get rid of them, right? Because they're everywhere. And uh, we have them on our property. I've sprayed for them a couple times. So I recognize them. And I'm doing about 15. I'm thinking, I should stop and kill that. I mean, that's what we're trying to do, eradicate these things. I should stop and kill that. But I didn't think it was the Holy Spirit, so I kept riding. <laughs> so I wanted to get done with my ride. And then I saw a dime. Some people stop on a dime, I stop for a dime. <laughs> I got off my bike and I picked the dime up. While I was at it, I killed the bug. <laughs> so I want to share that dime and uh, other dimes with you this morning. You may have noticed the buckets in the front here. And uh, you all have one color of hair or no hair, as the case may be. And what I'm going to have you do is come up, there are coins in each of these buckets, and all of the same coins, and I want you to go to the bucket that corresponds with your color hair, or no hair. Now that one's for you, whether God has ordained you to be bald or you have, all right? So blonde over here, bald or gray over here, black or red hair over here, brown hair. So we have to do, I still want to preach, so come up front and get your, just one coin, please, one coin, get that, take it back to your chair, and I'll, a little later on, I'll tell you something to do with it. And if you feel, if you feel today that you're, uh, if, you have, if you're brunette, but you'd like to identify as gray, you can go ahead and do that. Parents, watch your kids. Don't let them take a handful. This is my retirement fund. Yeah, there's a long line for the brunette brown hair. And no, if, you, if your hair is both balding and gray, you can't take two. <laughs> yeah, if you've colored your hair, you just feel free to go wherever you want to go. But God knows. Whatever you feel led, Craig. (laughs) 
All right, the, as you get to your chairs, you can find the book of 1 Corinthians a while. <clears throat> We're in chapter 12 as uh, we finish up our series today on the Holy Spirit, talking about spiritual gifts. So remember what Jesus said um, to his disciples. He said, even the Son of Man, he's talking about himself, even the Son of Man did not come to be what? Served, but to what? To serve and give his life as a ransom for many. And, and, and both by his self-description and by the testament uh, of the gospel writers, that's exactly what he did. Serve, 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 serve. Serve, serve, serve. And of course we see that culmination of that serving the cross where he laid down his life for us. And the Bible also says, he, Jesus, he died for all so that those who become his disciples, those who live for him, he died for all so that those who live for him would no longer live for themselves but for him who died for them and was raised again for them. And so if you're a follower of Jesus this morning, I want you to think about um, God has blessed you with spiritual gifts to serve. And the question is, are you doing that? And maybe an additional question, are you doing that in the ways that he has shaped you and designed you to serve? Now, uh, we talk about spiritual gifts in one Sunday. That's probably almost blasphemy. We should spend about eight weeks on this, but we don't have that much time. So uh, if there are things that you'd like to inquire about or talk about, um, just shoot me an email, anything on spiritual gifts. Glad to correspond with you that way, back and forth with email, or sit down with you and chat uh, about other particulars. First Corinthians chapter 12. We're just going to read the first 11 verses this morning. <clears throat> Now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question about the special abilities the Spirit gives us, I don't want you to misunderstand this. You know that when you were still pagans, you were led astray and swept along in worshiping speechless idols. And so I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. <clears throat> to another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another. And to someone else, the one Spirit gives the gift of healing. Actually, that should be gifts of healings. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. And still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. Father, we uh, come this morning to the Word of God for help uh, from your Word and for encouragement from your Word and for challenge from your Word and for great hope from your Word. To imagine that we have been, as believers in Jesus Christ, 
the recipients of such majestic, amazing, remarkable, supernatural gifts is mind-boggling. And unfortunately, sometimes when we come to these discussions about the gifts, um, well, there's a couple of unfortunate things. One, we get preoccupied with quarreling about which gift exists and which doesn't. And, and sometimes we're, we're stuck thinking about gifts in terms of value, more value and less value, more important, less important. And yet, as Paul goes on to say later in this chapter, just like the body of Christ, the church of Jesus Christ needs, uh, or like the human body needs every part, so the church needs every part as well. And I, I do pray this morning that your Holy Spirit would direct our conversation, direct with teaching I pray that uh, he would speak through me when he can and in spite of me when he must and I pray that in all things much may be made of Jesus our Savior I do pray that you would bind the enemy this morning that he would have business elsewhere and that it rather your spirit would take control of what is taught in Jesus name amen <clears throat> serving in the spirit now, when Paul start, starts out this chapter, he is addressing a group of messed up Christians. When I was in Bible college, one of our professors says, when you get to a church and you start your ministry, you should always start by preaching through the book of 1 Corinthians. Say, why? He says, because every problem you encounter in the local church, you're going to find already in the book of 1 Corinthians. And the reason for that, to a large degree, is because the people that had come to Christ in Corinth were mostly Gentiles. Unlike a lot of the churches that um, Paul had started where there was a good, solid Jewish base, Corinth was mostly Gentiles, and they were the worst of the worst of the Gentiles. If you were a Jew and became a Christian, you had a, a moral base. You already had a moral grid from the law of Moses. And you already believed in one God, not a bunch of gods. Now in Corinth, there was no such moral background. In fact, the, the, the people in Corinth were incredibly wicked and promiscuous, pagan, worshipped many gods. And so when they came to Jesus, they, they didn't have a, a kind of a base like Jewish people did. And so there were all kinds of problems there. There, there was a, a man who was having a sexual relationship with his stepmother. Uh, there were Christians who were taking each other to court and filing lawsuits against each other. And they were quarreling over whose gift was the best. And you should have my gift. You should give up your gift and focus on my gift and get my gift. And by the way, my gift's more important than yours. A lot of disunity. And Paul addresses that early, uh, early on. They had the, people had the Holy Spirit and they had the Holy Spirit's gifts, but there was so much pride and criticism going on. And so he said, starts out in verse 2 saying, look, there was once upon a time when you were pagans and you were getting led astray, you're worshiping these speechless idols, idols who don't talk to you. And so I want you to know, however, the other people in your church who are saying Jesus is Lord have the spirit just as much as you do, even though they don't have the same gift as you do. He's trying to draw them together here. Unity. Different kinds of gifts, yes. Same spirit, source of them all. Different kinds of service, yes, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, yes, but it's the same God who does the work in all of us. And Paul wants to, these people to know you have these gifts not because you have earned them, not because you have, you've, you've uh, sought out something and, and you're superior because you've sought out something. You have these gifts by grace. And it's interesting that Paul changes the wording in here 
you, you can't tell it in the New Living Translation, um, but in verse 1, it says, where it says here, <clears throat> you've written to me your question about the special abilities the Spirit gives us. In the Greek text, the word spirit is not in there. In fact, what, what they literally asked him about, he's quoting what they asked him about, you asked about spiritual matters. In other words, they're saying, they're talking about spiritual gifts, but they're not bringing up the fact that this is generated by the Holy Spirit. They're not having a conversation about the godness of their gifts. You simply wrote me about spiritual matters. It's almost like it's this mystical thing that has no root, has no authorship other than in your own personality. And so Paul changes that language. You get down to verse 4, and now when he talks about spiritual gifts, he uses the word that some of you are familiar with the word charisma. Now, charis is the root word for grace in the Greek language. So he's talking about grace gifts, the charisma or the charismata. And all gifts are charismata. All spiritual gifts come from the Holy Spirit. He is the source. He is the origin. Again, in verse 7, he uses an even different word. He talks about manifestation of the Spirit. And in both cases, he brings the Holy Spirit into that sentence to remind these people that you are not special because you have this gift and this person doesn't. You are not special because you have this gift and this person doesn't. God gave you these gifts. They're, they're, he, he's the author of these gifts. He has chosen whom to give what gift to you. Now, you came up here this morning and picked a coin out of one of these buckets based on the color of hair you have. We could have put up, say, some other means by which to decide who gets a quarter, who gets a dime, a nickel, or a penny. But it's, it's absolutely pointless for us to wrestle with, why did God give me this gift instead of that gift? Or why did God give that person that gift and not give it to me? Sometimes we look longingly at other people's gifts and say, man, I wish I had that gift. God, in his infinite wisdom by the Holy Spirit, gave you exactly the right gifts that you should, that you ha should have. And our call is to maximize them for the glory of God and for, good, for the good of the body of Christ. Now, I'm going to kind of break here and turn off the road to kill a bug. Uh, so if you want to put the slide up there, Chad. What I mean is we want to talk about something that's kind of in the shadow of all of these discussions about spiritual gifts. Um, have certain gifts like prophecy and so forth, we have in the middle, ceased, stopped, or do they continue? And there is a, a, an identification of people who believe one as cessationist and the others as continuationists. And the argument comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 8 to 10. And I'm going to read these verses out of the English Standard Version, the ESV, because it helps make the connection here between um, our graphic and what we're talking about. Paul says, love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. Hence the idea that certain gifts will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. Now back to our slide, Chad. So there are some people who believe that certain gifts have come to an end, they have ceased. And they base that on a, a word in verse 9, where you remember it said the 
perfect. When the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. And some people have interpreted that word to be a reference to the completion of the New Testament. So by the, roughly by the end of the first century, when all the books of the New Testament had been written, not all compiled into a single book yet, but pretty much acknowledged by the church, these are the books of God, that when that time came, there was no longer, in a sense, there was no longer any need for gifts like prophecy and tongues and healing and miracles and so forth. Those were, as John says in his gospel, sign gifts to especially point to and authenticate the ministry of Jesus and then later point to and authenticate the ministry of the apostles. The problem with that interpretation is there's never anywhere in Scripture that that word perfect is used to even hint at something like the end of the canon, the completion of the New Testament. And most scholars, even people on different sides of the debate about this, agree that the perfect is really a reference to the return of Jesus Christ. And if that's the case, then there's no way that we can rule out these gifts or some of these gifts and say God wouldn't give them today. God may choose in his sovereign um, decision to give some gifts and not others, either to a particular church or a particular region, but we don't know that. That's totally God's, God's work. And so uh, let me just say this, the top gift that I have listed there, apostleship, almost everybody in the Christian world is a minor cessationist. And what I mean by that is that we don't think there are any more apostles today. Because an apostle, capital A, is described in the Bible as one, someone who's seen Jesus. And the only way you can get around that today would be to argue wise had a vision of Jesus. That doesn't, I don't think that counts. And secondly, an apostle was marked, as Paul said in 2 Corinthians, by signs and wonders. The problem with saying there's apostles today, capital A, is that would mean that person would be able to write scripture. And the scripture tells us that it is done, that it is closed, so we can't add to what has been written. Now, there are apostolic types of ministry, such as missionary work, like the Apostle Paul and Barnabas did, and church planting and so forth. We talk about that as Apostle uh, small a, but to be an Apostle capital A would be to be able to write scriptures. There are some groups today who are bringing back the label of Apostle, which makes me extremely nervous. Because those kinds of uh, overseers of a large number of churches, I fear are being given um, almost unlimited power and authority with no scrutiny. And to me, that's extremely dangerous. Uh, New Apostolic Reformation, you may have heard of that, I think is uh, flirting with that, and and I think it's very dangerous. I wanted to hit that simply because it is uh, something that's often argued. I should tell you that I'm a continuationist. Most of our staff here at Keystone are. Uh, In the Evangelical Free Church Statement of Faith, it leaves room for both positions, and probably both positions are represented here at at Keystone. Uh, So we would say we believe that all of the gifts are potentially available. I've yet to meet someone who has the gift of miracles. I would love to know them on a first-name basis. Uh, I've yet to meet someone who has the gift of healing. I've seen healing. I've been healed. But the healing came through the prayers of God's people as opposed to someone who goes about and has this ongoing ability to be, uh, to be able to heal people. 
Um, we'll talk later about the prospect of additional gifts, receiving additional gifts. I also wanted to point to this in your uh, bulletin. There's an insert in there where I've taken all of the gifts that I see listed in the New Testament as well as one that's listed in the Old, gifts of the Holy Spirit, and uh, brief definitions of them. Uh, here's, and then I, at the top I have the main texts from the Bible. Here's the thing. I, I don't think this is the end of the list. There are probably some of you in here who have gifts. Remember, if they can be used for the glory of God and they can be used for the good of the body of Christ and it's energized by the Holy Spirit, it can be a spiritual gift. And so, for example, you, you benefited this morning from uh, the gifts that some of these folks have up here, all of these folks have up here, with music, uh, instruments and vocals and so forth. That, you're not going to find a gift of music labeled in the scripture or identified in the scripture and I think that's one example of a gift that the Holy Spirit has given that's not mentioned it seems like the gift lists in scripture are just representative there, there's no rhyme or reason to the gifts that are repeated the ones that are uh, identified all by themselves and so forth so this is just for your own um, own study and reference so bottom line is that you have been gifted by the Holy Spirit. If you're a follower of Jesus, you have been gifted by God's grace, given particular gifts, and they were chosen just for you. Just like I decided who's going to get which coins this morning, they were chosen just for you. God in his infinite wisdom knows what to give you. I had a grandson had a birthday recently, and my, my wife got him a 76ers ball cap. Now, if she would have been shopping for another grandson, she'd have got a Houston Rockets ball cap. Another grandson, Golden State Warriors. She knows exactly what each wants and each needs. And God knows exactly what you need, even if you don't always want it. And he gave you exactly the gifts that you should have and use to bless others with. Gifted by grace. And verse 7, back in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7. Paul emphasizes that the purpose of this gift is given to, you so we, given to you so that you can help the others in the body of Christ. Why did you get the gift? So you could be noticed? Mm -mm. This is part of the problem in the church at Corinth. People were having pride in their own gifts and they were disdaining other people's gifts. Later on in the chapter, verse, uh, verse 21 of 1 Corinthians 12, it says, The eye can never say to the hand, he's talking about the uh, metaphor of the body, the eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. Why did Paul put this in there? Because there were people in the church at Corinth who were looking at other people and saying, we really don't need your gift, thank you very much. We have all the important gifts over here, you should seek to get our gifts, but your gift's not important. Paul says, that's, that's so wrong. We all need each other's gifts. We all need each other, and we all eat, need the gifts that each of us bring to the table. It's, and these gifts are not to get noticed. This is one of the concerns that I have about some of what I call the eye-popping gifts, the gifts like tongues or prophecy or miracles or healing. Uh, especially in our day and age where you have access to the Internet and you have access to um, media forms which can get you noticed rapidly. 
so many of these guys that are on television and so forth, I just want to cringe when I see them supposedly utilizing gifts they've been given. I'm like, the only gift I see that you are using is the gift of fame and the gift of prominence. And, and those kind of um, eye-popping gifts can tend to draw people that either uh, they may have them or I'm more inclined to think they don't have them but they portray themselves as having them. And they can do a lot of damage in, in the process. Years ago, uh, Pastor John Piper was teaching on the spiritual gifts at his church, and he was trying to encourage his very staid Baptist church to be open to the, all the gifts of the Holy Spirit and to use, use them. And in the midst of that series, a woman came to him from his church, and she said, Pastor John, I have a hard, hard prophecy for you. And he said, all right, what is it? Uh, John's wife was pregnant at the time with her fourth child. This woman said, your wife is going to die in childbirth and you're going to have a daughter. What do you say to that? And he said, well, thank you. He went back to his study, got on his knees, and he wept and wept before the Lord and said, God, is this from you? Didn't tell his wife, didn't tell anyone. Several months later, his wife gave birth to a boy, and she lived. And do you remember we were talking the other week about the importance of going, if we think that God has spoken to us for someone else, the importance of going to that person and saying, I could be wrong, humility, I might have gotten this wrong, I might have simply had a random thought go through my head that wasn't the Spirit, it was me for whatever reason, and to be cautious and careful because so much damage can be done with some of these gifts. That's no way to say that we should avoid them. It's not my point at all. But I, I worked, uh, or worked with our ordination council for about 10, 12 years here in our Eastern District, and we examined men, uh, scrutinized their convictions and their Bible knowledge. And uh, one of the phrases that can't, comes up a lot in the free church with uh, pastors is, the, are you a continuationist or are you a cessationist? And most would say, I, I believe that all the gifts are in play, that God can give any one of them out, but I'm cautious. I'm open to them, but I'm cautious. And what, the example I just gave you is one of the reasons why we want to be cautious. God did not give us these gifts for our own display. Remember what Jesus said in Luke 17, 10? He says, when we obey him, every time we obey him, we should say, I, I, I am only an unworthy servant. I have just done my duty. This is not about me. This is not the point to me. It's not the point to you. It's the point to the Lord Jesus Christ, who was the ultimate server. Maybe God has given you these gifts to fill a need. Now listen to me very carefully here. I'm fearful today that sometimes we think of ourselves in the church as simply the, the church's labor pool. And so I'm here just to fill the needs. I'm here just to volunteer when there's a need. And I read it in the bulletin or I hear it announced or I see it in the, in the weekly. I, okay, I'll help out. I don't want that. Now, there are times where we kind of rally together. We have some great 
um, challenging um, effort that we're trying to pursue as a church. So last year when we had the summit last fall with Life Action Ministries, I mean, everybody rallied. You guys were amazing. Uh, we had people open their homes to staffers uh, for Life Action that were with you for two weeks. We had people uh, loan their cars to unknown strangers to drive them for two weeks. There were tons of you in here helping prepare food and serve it during those two weeks. Um, there, were, there were kids ministry. I mean, we had more volunteers in the kids ministry than we even knew existed in the church. It was amazing. And you did that. That was a special effort, all hands on deck kind of effort. But on an ongoing basis, God has given you specific gifts that energize you, that excite you, that don't wear you out primarily to minister to other people with. And question, one of the questions that we want to ask this morning is, are you doing that? Again, verse 7, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. Now what you're going to do with your coin. That coin you have, I want you to get up, and now I want you to find somebody who has a different color hair than you and give them your coin. All right, expression of you using your gifts to serve others. All right, don't just do it necessarily with the person next to you. That's cheating. Come on. You need to get up, stretch your legs so you can be awake for the last five, ten minutes. And you can say something to them like, this is God's blessing to you. This is God's blessing to you. Oh, thank you. Well, we, we don't have the same color hair. Now, you can, you can return that coin after the service if you want, or if you're going to take it home and just use it as a reminder of your gifts. Of, God's given you gifts, and he's given them to you to serve the body. You're welcome to keep that. But again, remember, that's my retirement fund. <laughs> I had uh, Stephanie uh, in our welcome ministry, I had her run a report this week. How many people at Keystone have a regular ministry? In other words, it's not just that you help out on occasion when uh, there's a need, but you have a regular, ongoing, scheduled ministry. And I, I was blown away. I was really excited about this. 350 people at Keystone have a regular ministry, and there are many more who come in and help as needed. And that's glorious. And I just want to say kudos to you. I, I really... I really mean that uh, because that speaks of, well, I think bottom line, it speaks to your love for Christ. I mean, that's the reason that we are the body of Christ. We're the church. So we're here to glorify him, serve him, make much of him. So that's wonderful. But I want to speak to uh, really all of us this morning about a couple of kind of application or follow-up points or now what thoughts. The first one is there are some of you that didn't make that list. There are some of you who are followers of Jesus. That's, that's the first thing. If you're not a follower of Jesus, you don't have spiritual gifts, 
and it's nice that you help out and so forth, but that's really not the call. That's not a call on your life yet. The call on your life is come to Jesus. That's the call in your life. But some of you have been given gifts. The Holy Spirit is in you, and he wants to get, use those gifts that you have to bless other people, to serve other people. What is it that's keeping you from doing that? And one of the things that we notice and people in every church notice is that when you come to a church, become part of a church, it's easy to kind of, you, you start with, a, I'm here to evaluate whether or not this is to be my church. And you evaluate, and you evaluate, and you evaluate. And next thing you know, two years has gone by. And for some people, sometimes five years has gone by. And you really have, you're still evaluating, or, or you, you would think that. You're, basically, you're sitting there and receiving the blessings of other people's gifts, but not sharing yours with them. And one of the first ways to change that is for you to go online to uh, keystonechurch.org, and you hit the serve button up the right, and it'll take you to a ministry interest survey. If you fill that out, <clears throat> and hit send, it will go to our office, and I'll become part of the means uh, by which we recruit, how we look for people to serve and who have particular gifts. But if you, I, I would encourage you to go one step further. Send an email to any of us on staff, krohr at keystonechurch.org. We're all the staff, our first initial, last name at keystonechurch.org. So B. Fisher at keystonechurch.org or C. Walter, K. Rohr, uh, S. King. And just send those along because we would like to not have to wait for the interest survey to kind of work its way through the system. We would love to be proactive and help you say, where can I use my gifts now? So that would be my first encouragement if you're not involved in a ministry. Um, my second encouragement would be... So for you who are filling out the outline, start serving if you're not. My second recommendation or consideration would be some of you might need to switch. And what I mean is that you need to stop volunteering and start using your gift. You need to stop volunteering and start using your gift. In other words, you might be saying, I, I do this for the church, but I, I'm not really excited about it. I'm not really uh, into it. I don't really spend that much time preparing for it or praying into it as I, I go to do that ministry. Maybe it's because you are operating in a ministry that your gifts were not designed for. And then the question becomes, how do I find that out? How do I find out what my gifts are? And there are all kinds of spiritual gifts inventories online. We used to give them out here. You know, one of the things that I and a lot of pastors have come to realize is those really don't change people's lives. They don't really move you from point A to point Z. I have found that the very best thing to do is experiment. Try something. Try something different. So I wonder if that's for me. And, and trust me, if you get into it and it's not your cup of tea, uh, the staff member that you're uh, under or the leader that you're under, won't, uh, they won't yell at you if you bow out. They might yell at me for telling you this. Uh, it's okay to experiment with ministries here at Keystone. Um, the other possibility is maybe God has a new ministry for you to start. Do you ever think about that possibility? God may have gifted you in such a way and it gives you a particular passion so that he has something new for you to start. 
And we're all in favor of that here. There's a lot of ministries at Keystone that were started by lay people in the congregation who had a vision and had an interest. Uh, I think of Jan down here. Jan and Jackie, you guys started junior high ministry like about a millennia ago or something. Uh, but they had an interest to see a, a middle school ministry start. And, and it wasn't staff initiated. They started it. Well, there's a lot of ministries like that here. The Sunshine Kids ministry that uh, we're starting with uh, for kids with special needs. And that, that's been generated somewhat with staff, but some of the interest of people in the church. And there are a lot of things like that that we could look at. And maybe God has something like that for you. And you say, well, what, if I'm feeling that, what do I do? Again, talk to one of us on staff. And we'll kind of sit down with you, go through some of your thoughts and ideas that you have. Maybe ask some questions. Have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? Have you thought about who might help you with this and so forth? We want to empower you to be able to do things like that doesn't mean we're going to give you a blank slate and say you can just off willy-nilly because we want to make sure that it has as good of a chance of success as possible. Now, two last things. And have you turn uh, to 1 Corinthians 12 the little, towards the end of the, ver- uh, end of the chapter. A very interesting verse. Verse 31, Paul says, after this kind of big summary of different spiritual gifts, so you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. Now, Paul has ordered them uh, earlier in the chapter. He says in verse 28, first are apostles, second are prophets, and third are teachers. In other words, there are some priorities of gifts. There are some that are more important. That doesn't mean they're more, uh, that the other ones are unnecessary, but there are priorities to some of the gifts. And he says then, but you should eagerly desire. The, if I understand that right, it sounds like we can seek additional gifts than the ones we have. And if that's the case, what gift would you like to have? I've been praying for years for the gift of evangelism. I haven't gotten it yet. Um, what a great gift to be able to share the gospel with people and not just share the gospel, but gift of evangelism, often people see a lot more fruit than the rest of us who are called to share the gospel but don't really have that gift. What gift would you like to have? I think, I think it's perfectly appropriate to just call out to the Lord and say, God, I'd like to have this gift because I'd like to use it in this way. And then lastly, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6. <clears throat> 2 Timothy 1, 6. Paul says this to Timothy. This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift that God gave you when I laid my hands on you. God's given the gift, but that doesn't mean that you can't uh, grow in that gift. So if you are a teacher, take some teaching training. Get some training. We have some training in the house here we have access to. Um, how well are you developing what you do? Do you, you know, if you're teaching a Sunday school Sunday morning, are you just kind of doing it to get by? Is your prep kind of hmm, ho-hum? and don't really invest in prayer. What are you doing to develop the gift that you have? Maybe it's, it's doing it more often, look, looking for other opportunities uh, to utilize that gift. That there are things God says you can do to develop yourself and make you even more useful to the body of Christ. And close with a story. So there was a young man, got a call to ministry, and uh, decided that he should get some training for that. 
And he was uh, in training and he was just excited about the, uh, the things that were going on and the classes that he was having and so forth. But in the middle of all this, he began to have a crisis of faith. And in one day he acknowledged to himself that I'm not even sure I believe that Jesus is the God come in the flesh, that he's God incarnate. And in as much as he was preparing to be a pastor, that was kind of, well, that really kind of ruins everything. And he wasn't sure who he could talk to about it. He was uncomfortable talking to uh, any of his brothers or sisters in Christ. It, it was just, he was wrestling with this in the dark, all alone. There was a faculty member at his school who was world famous. He was a good friend of Billy Graham's. Uh, he had written a book on evangelism that had been translated into 109 languages, and even the English version sold 7 million copies, something that was unheard of on a spiritual topic like evangelism. He was well-known uh, around the world as a prominent evangelist, and this young ministerial student decided to go see him, sat down with him for the next hour and a half, shared his heart and his doubts and his fears and anxieties. And that world-renowned evangelist didn't use his gift of writing books. He didn't use his gift of preaching. He didn't use anything like that. He used his gifts of showing mercy and encouragement. He listened. He asked some pointed questions. He made some observations. Prayed with that young man. And then they, they parted paths. And that was a new day for that young ministerial student. It didn't solve everything, but there was something happened in that encounter with simply another brother in Christ who used not his eye-popping gifts, but his basic gifts of the Spirit in the life of that young man. That professor, that faculty member, was Dr. Robert E. Coleman, writer of the Master Plan of Evangelism. And that young man was me. You never know. You never know how your gift is going to impact somebody else. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the gifts that you have given each of us. And may they be used for your glory and for the good of brothers and sisters all around us. I do pray that we would be active in our gifts and seeking additional gifts and starting new ventures with our gifts that Christ might be made much of and the church would be healthy and whole and vibrant that the world may know about our Savior.